This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, really cool neo-noir versions of C.S. Lewis's The Lion and the Witch. Does that make me the wardrobe? Tia Vasiliu. Hello. And Renee Rodriguez. I'll take this the wrong way, but I think I hate you. Okay, thank you. Uh, <laughs> welcome to episode 361 of I Read Comic Books. Um, as I said, I'm your host, Mike Rappin, and we are here today to talk about comic books. So we're just going to dive right into things because I'm very eager to talk about the books that I've read recently. So let me ask those two legally mandated questions that I ask every week, which is how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Renee. Well, Mike, like with everything, I'm going to bring it back to One Piece. <laughs> of course. Please. Thank you. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm actually not going to do that. I'm just kidding you. It's been fine. I read some books. They were nice. Uh, can you guys hear that fire engine? No, no we're good. Are they coming okay. to put out the fire because you're so hot? Hey. No. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Renee had to process that one for a moment. <laughs> I'm still process. I think you broke me. <laughs> Before the show, Renee said we're not funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, I didn't say that. I just asked if we think there will be funny parts. <laughs> That's totally different. <laughs> so, Renee, outside of reading One Piece, what have you been reading? I read uh, Old Boy Volume One uh, because I found out like two years ago that it was that you know the movie was based off of a manga, and I was mm -hmm. like, "Oh, that's cool!" So let's figure out that. Uh, so the story is by Garon Suchia with art by Nobuaki Minigishi, um, and the it's a little bit different. I only read Volume One. It's different from the movies, both of them. Um, but also like we're very early in the story, like mm -hmm. even though there's like even though like it was a good amount of stuff, like it's still super early in the story to tell of like where everything is kind of going. But the vibe definitely feels a little bit different from the movies, uh, like even the main character is very, very different. Like he's very calm and composed as opposed to just a crazy person. Yeah, the the, the crazy frantic drunk. Yeah. You know, he's very wild in the movie and in the movie, he's very much like focused and he's just kind of got the like they describe it in the book is like he's got an aura or an aura about him. I never know if I'm pronouncing that word correctly, but it's it was interesting. I think I'm going to keep reading it. It's only eight volumes. So, yeah, you know, that'll be exciting. What what drew you to picking that book up? out of you know the the many many other things you potentially could have read I, i'm only curious because i've been sitting on this one for a while and i haven't brought myself to actually read it yet it was actually because the director of the uh of the first old boy film came out with a new film this past year oh. and it's very creepy and very like it, i was i was watching the trailer for it and i was like you know what i never got around to and it's just been sitting in my wish list i was like is the old boy manga oh and yeah. so so that that is what led me to sort of uh deciding to read this and then you know it was like oh, i was like oh you know what i need to have something to talk about on the podcast so you know two birds one stone yeah for for anyone that's out there that's wondering the new movie that came out it's called decision to leave the director is uh park chan wook and uh yeah he also did snowpiercer if i'm not mistaken no, I thought that was Bong Joon-ho. Oh, no, that's Bong Joon-ho. Sorry. He was a producer. My bad. I was looking at IMDb. He's all over the place. Uh, IMDb's new layout is a freaking mess, and I can't stand it. It's not good. Totally, totally different uh, discussion. But uh, <laughs> That's a different podcast. Yeah, different podcast. The the I Read Movies podcast. I am I Read IMDb podcast. 
IRCBIMD. I I don't know. Uh, Tia, <laughs> just, just that one. That one really got away from me. Uh, how are you? How comic books been? What have you been reading? Well, I'm not gonna lie, Mike. Not great. Not. It's not been great. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We don't need to get into why people who follow me on social media, you know why. Basically, um, every, my entire world has fallen apart, but I did read some comics, so we'll talk about that. I read Golden Rage numbers three through five. This is the image series by Chrissy Williams, Lauren Knight, and Sophie Dodgson. And the, the sort of high-level premise, if you haven't read it, is um, The Golden Girls Meets Battle Royale. It is a story about um, a world in which old ladies are deemed useless in society and then sent off to this, like, island where, you know, there are all sorts of, like, factions. And, you know, it's also, I would throw in Lord of the Flies as a sort of a co- comparison, bitch planet, that sort of thing. Um, anyway, so in issue three we have our sort of main gang of ladies who are waylaid by the baddies um the red hats and a fight ensues and there are some shifting power dynamics and we really double down on this whole like idea of age and how it's tied to usefulness or uselessness particularly when it pertains to women and gender mm-hmm. and uh, there was a really strong theme running through these last three issues of like, you can't trust anyone, not even your family. In fact, sometimes, especially you can't trust your family. Sometimes Oof. you have to cut a bitch. And <laughs> I mean, that's just how it is. Okay. Also, okay. a theme that I really picked up on in the, in the, this, I'm going to talk about the series as a whole, the first five issues, the first arc. Okay. Like, the rules are not real, okay? The universe does not care about mm-hmm. you and nothing matters. It's like the Stephen Crane poem, a man said to the universe, sir, I exist. However, replied the universe, the fact did not create in me a sense of obligation. Like, you make the rules, you could change the rules, the universe doesn't care about you. And that's like a really pessimistic view of things, right? Like no yeah, matter Christ. no matter what the context, <laughs> a group of people will always be terrorized by the most violent of them. And I kind of mm. wish that this story had proffered some kind of like alternative solutions to the problem. Like I always want that from fiction where this is a theme. Like, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Yes, we get it. Like people are bad. So what do we do about it? And like, because even if you can unite a group of people who are not like that, you're still threatened by others outside your group who do have access to power and violence. And so obviously, like banding together in the face of that is better than facing it alone. But it is bleak out there, you guys. It's bleak. Mm -hmm. I also picked up on the theme of like mother daughters um, pretty much always having a weird relationship which is another really pessimistic take without giving much like answer or alternative or like, what are we supposed to do about the fact that we always resent our mothers and our daughters for not wanting the things that we offer them or like the lessons that we learned so they don't have to, like they're not interested in that. Um, And it's just like another random unfair thing about the universe. And in this book, which, you know, found family is great, but still it's so bleak. 
And then in issue four, there's a major plot twist. Um, I won't spoil it, but I will say thematically, I'll just talk thematically again. Like it deals with the moral injury that we all experience working in the evil, capitalist, racist, patriarchal world that we live in. And, you know, we're all forced to participate in some way in the subjugation of ourselves and others beneath us to benefit those above us in the hopes that we'll rise up in the ranks. But what this twist in this book demonstrates is that it's all fake. We're going back to that. It's all, none of it's real. And the power that you get from participating in that doesn't belong to you. And it can be taken away at any time, which like, Ask me how I know about that. Give, we'll take it back to Tia. How are you? How has your month been? It's been terrible for this yeah. reason. Yeah, I will. I'm, I will say though, like to to get into a kind of more formal analysis of the book, the color work throughout this series is so so strong. Sophie Dodgson's the colorist. It's really really tight and edited, and that and what that does is. Any choices um, outside of that color palette are really deliberate and really contribute to the storytelling because it draws attention to that thing. Mm-hmm. And also, um, shout out to the artist Lauren Knight because as I was reading, I noticed not every panel has a full background and not every panel needs it. And this yeah. is another really nice way to emphasize the character-driven story and to use background details for emphasis in the story when it's needed. So the next time you're like looking at comics, just pay attention to the background and think about when is the background fully depicted? When does it contribute to that story beat? Like what is it giving in that moment? If it's just sort of a sketched out kind of suggestion of a setting or if it's mostly left blank, just like think through what that's doing in the moment. It's done really well in the series. Um, and then... There's also really cool, like, shout out to to Chrissy, the writer. There's really good kind of like meta-analysis about art and storytelling and humor. Also, trigger warning, there's like a whole thing with clowns, if people are scared of clowns. Oh, oh. <laughs> Hold, just, on. Hold I, on. I, I, if we're doing trigger warnings, trigger warning clowns. Um, no, I, I appreciate that. I just... <laughs> Mostly just like, hold on. So this is this has always been pitched as like a battle royale meets Golden Girls, but suddenly there are clowns. Like that's a very like, hard left turn. If you ask like me. violent clowns, or just like no, no, there, no, there there is a clown. There's there's like just a. Cl- I don't want to spoil it, Renee. Okay, I don't want to spoil it. Um, yeah. So in the trade paperback, which uh, maybe I'll talk about this when we do our top of our pile, because the trade paperback doesn't come out until the twenty second. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe I'll save my, um, I did, I did full disclosure. I did read the trade paperback version for the, for this. So, um, how about I'll talk about the outstanding back matter when we do top of my pile. Perfect. That sounds great. Awesome. I I've been looking forward to reading this. Actually, I read the first issue and I was like, I think I got to trade weight this because it seems like it's a mini series. And I like that. I like just getting the one and done kind of stories like that. So um, I'm very excited to check this out this week. But we'll talk about that more um, in a little bit later. I guess let me talk about a book that I've been reading. It's It's been a very chaotic week just in terms of like, I feel like I have no time because I keep saying yes to things, which is like great. But also like that I'm just tired all the time. I don't know. Um, so I, had, I haven't had a chance to read a lot of comics, but I did sit down and I read because like I'm always prioritizing all of the X-Men books, especially all of the Sins of Sinister stuff like, uh, you know, Kieran set up the beginning of this event 
in the most preposterous, insane way possible. And like we saw a lot of prelude for this. So like I've been reading all the number ones for this and they've been, you know, between Kieran and Al Ewing and on this latest one, Cy Spurrier, this is Nightcrawler's number one. Um, Cy Spurrier's on writing, Paco Medina's on art. I mean, like top tier X-Men artists right there as far as I'm concerned, Paco Medina. We've got J. David Ramos on colors and Clayton Coles on letters. And like, I'm so mad about the reveal of this book like there a couple pages in some some gears started clicking in my head which they rarely do um when i'm reading x-men books because ultimately it just it's all do sex machina bullshit and nothing matters but then something clicked and i was like hold on a second what if they did this and then i turned the page and it happened and that was the most satisfying reveal because for one i was like that's so stupid they'd never do it it would be really fun but there's no way and then suddenly a character revealed something and i went oh my god this is the most perfect event i've ever read in a long time um so i was very pleased about that i'm really glad that it's true um i don't want to spoil anything but this issue like was a really good ki- like kickoff to spurrier's leg of the sins of sinister event like the dumbness of all of mr sinister's gene splicing that's happening is absolutely bonkers in this specific issue and i think spurrier's been having a lot of fun pushing this whole idea with um the spirit of variance which is an <laughs> a reaction to the spirit of vengeance like it's ghostwriter but it's not uh which has been very fun um for those of you who aren't following along like banshee the old school banshee character has been taken over by the spirit of variance who lives off of chaos thriving which is really really fun and this other character called mother righteous who is a question mark character who we really don't know the origins of though this first issue may reveal um may have revealed quite a bit more than we we knew for a while and uh yeah, doing some really fun, dumb world building stuff with the various characters that because everyone's taken over by the sinister gene and cloning. And I don't know, like <laughs> Kieran Gillen introduced this idea of, quote unquote, save states into the universe, courtesy of a mechanic in the world. Like it, I, I love this approach to the this whole story arc of the, it's like a video game and it's being executed in, a, in such a smart way that I think only the X-Men could really execute that. I'm just I'm just loving the whole setup and the whole premise and everything's working and I'm having a good time. So don't try to take this away from me. I know there's people out there who think this is the dumbest event that the X-Men have ever had. And I hope that you stop reading comic books and never come back because it's so much fun. (laughs) I say if anyone says it's the dumbest one challenge. Yeah, I know. Let's, let's go back to the age of apocalypse. Okay. Everybody. Um, That would be such a fun episode. Like what's your pitch for the dumbest X-Men book? Because truly I believe with the, every fiber of my being that the best, x-men book has to like it the d- being dumb is part of what makes them great yeah oh totally yeah. for sure well see and this is this is i i appreciate we you know you guys bringing this up because this is what the x mike's x-men blind box is going to be the little mini series we're going to do on patreon is i'm just brian and paloma and kara are going to sit down with a book of my choosing no context and just try to figure out what the hell's going on and i'm so excited um <laughs> Somebody think, needs to revive Kara when Kara first read Age of Apocalypse years ago and oh tweeted my, about it. Like that, we need to put that on Patreon as an essay in tweet form. Oh my, yeah, I, we I gotta find that Twitter thread. I'll I'll see if I can if I can grab that as part of the show. Like Kara's Twitter thread about Age of Apocalypse. Oh man, all I remember is that she was very very obsessed with the mustached Cyclops. And you know what? I totally get it now. I totally get Listen, it. Listen, oh, we gosh. all should. We should all be obsessed. With Listen, it. as a you know, I'm a mustache man now, so you know what I got to do is put on some red glasses and <gasps> you know rather him oh have God. the mustache than like the the weird like uh, metal hair that he had in Age uh-huh. of Apocalypse. 
That was where I was like, he would singe off his hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like Cyclops always has like a spiritual mustache, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. Kara, <laughs> Kara in the chat is saying Mike no to the mustache bits. So we'll see. <laughs> Halloween is but eight months away. So we'll see how things turn out. <laughs> Cyclops has a spiritual mustache. Like it's like when you go to like a family Christmas party, and everyone's like, "Have you seen Uncle Dale's uh, mustache yet?" They're like, and everyone, all the cousins, are just like, "Hold on, let me go get a peek." And everyone comes back to the corner to be like, "Oh my god, he's got a mustache!" It's because he just got divorced, and he just found out that his ex wife is dating, and now right, he has right, a mustache. Right. Like that is Cyclops in a nutshell. Uh huh. I love it. Uh, Renee, <laughs> tell us about another book that you read. I thought for a second that you were like, tell us about the mustache that you have. Yes, yes, tell us about your mustache. <laughs> it's not impressive. Um, <laughs> uh, so mustaches aside, I decided that since Tia was going to be on this week and she has always championed this book and Brian's talked about it a lot, I thought I would finally read uh, The Wicked and the Divine, Volume 1. And it's a good thing that I've heard a lot about it because I... Halfway through the book, I was really confused on whether or not I was actually starting with volume one. <laughs> okay. Keep okay. talking. Yes. And you know what? That could be that I'm just dumb and I'm okay with that. Um, but I was like, I was like, did this get explained? I feel very lost. And I was like, I know Brian and Tia mentioned that this is what the premise is. So I was like, I'm following along at least a little bit. So I thought it was interesting, definitely seeing the different avenues. I like that they're all essentially performers, I th- I think. Someone calls them all pop stars at some point. So I was like, that's cool. Uh, given a little uh, Lestat in Queen of the Damned. Nice, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was like, I couldn't remember if that was the specific one, but I was like, I respect that. I like it. Um, so, I mean, it left off in a very interesting spot. I don't know when I will get around to volume two. But uh, no immediate plans. But I have now read it, so I will say I, I think volume two, it, like the like it accelerates it the the pace that draws you in more. Like more is is revealed. I think that like if you're feeling confused after volume one, which part of the experience of reading it is that you're supposed to be like, oh my god, what's going on? What's happening? I want to know. I need to know this and mm-hmm. the. And speculation and the discourse at the time, I think, was so much part of the experience. So mm. that could be maybe like the missing piece here. But read volume. I, I would really like say if you are at all interested in continuing and you want to know some of the answers to the questions you probably have, keep reading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, I was just lost. I felt very. I felt- <laughs> I was like, this book is calling me dumb and I don't appreciate it. This is how I relax, Um, which is how I feel with Jujutsu Kaisen and with Chainsaw Man. So, well, okay, hold on. Here's the thing about Jujutsu Kaisen. It makes no sense. Wicked and Divine eventually explains itself. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> okay, good. Because I read Jujutsu Kaisen for like 100 chapters and I was like, I don't know what's going on. Nope. And you're, and I don't think that they have any interest in explaining it and it's fine. I guess people just like it because like boys fighting and then over explaining do sex machina bullshit. Like it's worse than the X-Men. Okay. Okay. I will say I'm not like even though I, I didn't understand uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. I'm not saying that that Jujutsu Kaisen is like Wicked and Divine. Totally different yeah, books. Yeah, totally. So no, no one come after me being like <laughs> very, very different vibes. I'll say that. Yeah, but I I totally agree with what, what Tia said though, right? I think that 
that first volume is kind of like intentionally leaves you with more questions than answers to almost like draw you in to reading more of it because I feel like things do get answered in that second volume and then more questions are asked and Oh, it just it just grows from there. Like, damn, this is making me want to reread all of Wicked and Divine. Like, I, I did know, me too. Because, like, oh, what it's what a time! I, I every <laughs> I time I go, to, like, I literally went to the comic shop before we recorded today because I've I may have requested too many books that I wanted to fill up my backlog with. Um, specifically X Force because I love X Force. I know there are some X Force haters out there. Um, of the recent stuff, but I uh, I'm loving it. And so I went down there and they had all the Wicked and Divine on the shelves, and I was like, am I? Is this is this happening today? Are we doing a Patreon mini re, mini sode reread series? I mean, we it, could do that. Listen, if <laughs> if the fans out there want it, I mean, scream into my email ircbpodcast at gmail and we can maybe make it happen. <laughs> uh, well, but Renee, I'd be curious to see if you do follow. Maybe I'm gonna intentionally put you and T on an episode in the future, and then we can <laughs> we can force this to happen. <laughs> I mean, that's the way to do it, though. I love it. I love it. Because uh, well, I because I, I, I want to read what my friends are interested in because like I like them what they like can't be bad so you know <laughs> I, see, I say that I say that knowing that like that's not always true with other people's friends, um, sure. but I trust I trust the the lot of you, yeah weirdly, I mean there's a there's a lot of comic trust I think on this podcast over here so very rarely do we recommend books and someone goes I didn't like that so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let me talk about one more book before we get into the top of our pile. Um, I was recommended Motor Girl by our friend Matt D. He sent me an email, as I said, <clears throat> a couple of episodes ago. I'm This year is the year of the recommendation. And so I am taking any and all recommendations from people. If you want to email them over to me at ircbpodcast at gmail.com or send me a message on Discord or just come and hang out with us on Discord. I usually just try to pick stuff up that people are recommending because if you have a passion for it, that's more of a reason for me to read it rather than trying to go out and try to find things. And that, not to say that I'm not discovering stuff on my own. I read a bunch of really bad comic books that I tried recently. And I'm glad that I read Motor Girl because I really liked it in comparison to some of the other stuff so um yeah so i did read the first half of motor girl issues number one through five i didn't read all 10 issues um this is by terry moore folks out there may have heard of terry moore's name um i think he's also done books like echo strangers in paradise rachel rising um all pretty popular books i think among some of the indie crowd readers who are out there um but this book in specific was is in, was recommended because matt said it was their favorite book and uh, the synopsis really pulled me in i was like i gotta get on this but the, it's described as when a ufo crashes into samantha's junkyard she's happy to make repairs and send little visitors on their way but et is smitten with marine veteran and now an industrial giant wants to buy the land to install their anti-UFO weapon. With the help of their buddy Mike, a 600-pound gorilla, Sam is always prepared to defend those who can't defend themselves. But who will save Sam from the PTSD and shrapnel that threatened her life? To survive, Sam must ultimately face the greatest battle of her life, reality. And oh my goodness, this book, it feels so... I don't like from the get go. This book feels so slice of lifey. It reminds me of like the first volume of Love and Rockets, only in just like it's a story about a mechanic and you don't know much about her and crazy stuff happens. And I love the way that Terry Moore just like so nonchalantly drops UFOs in the story and no one freaks out. They're just like, oh, there's a UFO, little green men. And they're drawn like Bill Watterson characters. Like they look like they were pulled out of out of uh, Calvin and Hobbes. And it's really adorable and kind of like Hanna-Barbera cartoon-like the way that Terry Moore's very realistic drawings interact with these cartoonish characters. But I, I really love that like 
how the story progressed, it felt like such a like lived in story. There's there's a whole universe and a whole world that feels real. And more doesn't have to spend a lot of time explaining anything to you. You kind of just understand it because it is the quote unquote real world in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, our, our main character, Samantha, she is a, a veteran who served in Iraq and she's got some 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 baggage with all of that right i mean she was in an iraqi war prison and it you know but the the way she's depicted she's just depicted as like a regular average everyday person um and like the things that happen to her don't define her every day every moment i feel like many stories that we read in comic books that are about people who have like experienced severe amounts of trauma like that's all the story is about and instead the story is about samantha just living her life and of course some of that that stuff starts to crop up because it makes the drama and the story work but i don't know like the way that more approaches it it feels like he's very slowly guiding you through um guiding you through a real slice of life story and things are just trickling in naturally as they happen and whereas like i said a lot of other comics i feel like want to dump all of the trauma traumatic stuff on you from the get-go and then try to get you back to some sense of normalcy I, I appreciate the way that Moore takes the opposite approach to this. And I, I'm loving the first five issues that I read. It's only a 10 issue series, it's like 220 pages. And yeah, it's really grounded. And I, and I made that Love and Rockets comparison only because it kind of had a similar vibe in the first couple of pages, but very much does does more diverge away from that. And I, I, I only make that comparison because that's the only thing that I've read similarly to it. But like very different styles. It's black and white. But um, yeah, it's really, really good. And like I... I really appreciate a slice of life story that doesn't have a lot of like heavy handed punch you in the throat trauma tragedy right from the get go because I read a lot of I feel like I've read a lot of uh, slice of life stuff recently, especially as part of like our best of 2022 podcast episode that we did and some other recommendations that people gave me like I read Brian's pick from a couple weeks ago numb to this a memoir of a mass shooting which like poor timing on my part for picking that up from the library I know Um, but those books were all super duper heavy and like really emotionally wrecking. Like for me, like multiple books in a row that I'm crying and crying and crying. So it was nice to read a book that has some of that stuff that doesn't immediately try to hammer you over the head with like every emotional string that they could pass potentially pull. So, um, yeah, really digging it. Um, Tia, before we started, you said you you've read some Terry Moore stuff. Have you read this book? Yes, I, I have read it and I loved it. And I think your analysis here is spot on. And I've also read Rachel Rising and Strangers in Paradise. I think you'd like both of them. I would mm-hmm. say do, try Strangers in Paradise first. But it's pretty long running. Like there's a lot of material. And so, and so like all the sort of slice of life stuff that you're talking about, I think, you, I think you'll really settle into it if you're looking to keep the Terry Moore journey going. Yeah, I, I think I definitely am. I, I've been meaning to read Strangers in Paradise. Multiple people have recommended that to me. I just never got a chance to sit down and read it. And I've heard nothing but like critical acclaim for Rachel Rising. So like I think 2022 or 2023, what year is it, uh, is going to be the year <laughs> of the Terry Moore journey for me. For sure. Also, I love how like Terry Moore is when I think of like indie creators, you know, like Terry Moore is really on that list. And I'm always so surprised that, you know, the sort of like big comics publishers are not trying to snap him up. And I kind mm-hmm. of love that he's just like stayed really true to his thing and been successful as an indie creator. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, not that I wouldn't love to see Terry Moore's take on like other properties or, or whatever, but I just, yeah. Like if you're, if you're looking for just like, so a really good indie creator to support, I would put Terry Moore very high on my list. 
Yeah, yeah. There's there is like a vibe to this book, and and I think just Terry Moore in general. Like, <clears throat> I've definitely looked in some of his stuff in the past, and I feel like he he really, like you said, just wants to stick to his own guns. Like he's like, I'm making comics for me, and I'm not looking to like jump into the big two. I'm not jumping into properties and stuff. I'm just kind of like want to tell these specific stories over many, many, many years. And it again reminds me of Jaime Hernandez and and his, his exactly. brother. Yeah. You know, like very different types of creators but they are still people that are just like i got this one story and this is all i want to do i've got these series of stories and that's all i really want to do um and there's there's definitely a level of respect to that because it's not the image route of doing indie books right right it's like a it's a totally separate independent approach to things and i i just love that and the audience is there because they're good comics you know Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, so I'm I'm very much looking forward to reading the rest of that. It's not on the top of my pile because you know obviously I'm going to continue reading it. But um, yeah, I'm very much digging it, and now I'm like I'm very excited that there's so much more uh, Terry Moore stuff to get into as well. So, uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's talk about comics uh, that are. I get, or you know, actually, let's take a break. Sorry, I forget what type of show we're doing today. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about books that are on top of our pile and maybe just, you know, goof around for a little bit. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll be back in just a second. To wrap up today's show, we're going to be talking about just, you know, the comics that are on top of our pile, comics that are new, comics that are old, comics that have been living on our shelves physically, digitally, whatever fashion for forever. And you've just been meaning to read them. So we're going to talk about that. So I guess to get into things, Tia, why don't you tell us what's on the top of your pile this week? All right. Well, as you know, from listening to the show um, a few minutes ago, I read the first arc of Golden Rage, which is issues one through five. The trade paperback is coming out this week when the show airs. And I am here to tell you that the back matter is so outstanding that even if you've read the single issues, like you want to get the trade paperback just for the back matter. Um, So it has all the variant covers. The variant covers for this series have been spectacular. So like genuinely, Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. think Allison Sampson's variant cover for issue two with like the, the queen, uh, like playing card um like if that doesn't win an eisner i'm gonna be i'm gonna just like lose faith in the institution of the eisner awards it's so good <laughs> lose more faith in the institution but yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> also like shout out to tula lote for making old ladies covered in blood kind of hot for her variant cover <laughs> for issue one <laughs> uh-huh. um and then there's also like this really cool essay on foraging. So like if you want to learn how to eat like dandelions and nettles and things that you find in the wild, there's there's stuff about that in the back matter and like knitting and all sorts of cool sort of, I don't know, apocalyptic skills that an old lady might need. Um, and like just a recommended reading list in general, some really good essays on um, clowns because of course there is. Like, frankly, I'm concerned about how few comics have essays about clowns in the back matter. Um, it has a sh- other like really interesting essays on feminist matters, too. Um, so it's not just clowns. But like <laughs> there is making of content, which you usually will find in back matter, like a map of the island where the, the ladies are. And there's an Angela Lansbury tribute because she passed away during the making of this book. And honestly, if mm. I was concerned about the lack of clown essays in comics, I am horrified by the lack of Angela Lansbury content. <laughs> honestly, like, like what? 
tell me, like tweet at me or tell me, tell me somehow, send me, send me a, a, I don't know, a smoke signal or a carrier pigeon. What's your favorite Angela Lansbury role? And why is it the sexy older sister Edwina in National Velvet with her sexy red nail polish and pining over boys who are sent away to live with their aunts in Lancashire? (laughs) What? What? <laughs> we we are we are dipping into some obscure reference that I am I do not know this. Listen, if you have not seen National Velvet, come on. Okay, hold on. I'm now I'm looking into Mickey this. Mickey Rooney, Elizabeth Taylor. God damn it, you made me snort. Wait, there <laughs> Wait, Xander, this, edit that out. Hold on. Is, is this a horse girl movie? Because I'm seeing a horse on the cover. Of course it's a horse girl movie. <laughs> God damn it, Tia. <laughs> okay. Okay, no, so what you're seriously. saying is that I need to educate myself with this horse girl movie because I'll see Angela Lansbury being the sexy cousin with nail polish. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, she's the sexy older sister who's like oh, boy older crazy. Sister. Gotcha. Very cool. It's also like a really amazing feminist film. Like you just, yeah, well, it has all the things. Listen, it's going on my letterbox to watch list right now. And so, Mickey Rooney is um, not I a just... racist caricature in this one. That's wow. always a plus. He does yeah, cry though. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh the ooh, the cover on Letterbox is very pretty. If you if you get a chance to check that out. Um but I will uh yeah, I'll have to check that out. If if you say it's good to you, you know what? I trust you. I trust you on that. It's brilliant. Are the clown essays like what to look for in a clown predator <laughs> or, or like a predator? I don't know why I said it so weird. Like what Listen. is it things to look out for? I, I hope that it's okay for me to say I know that um, Chrissy Williams, the writer of this book, who is also an accomplished and wonderful poet, also mm-hmm. does comedy improv stuff and and has taken like clown like she and studied clowning, like studied clown the art of being a clown um and so it's kind of like cool it's really it's the clown is like a vehicle for meta-analysis about art and absurdity i think it's really smart i think it's brilliant personally i loved it and like you know yeah so i recommend it even it could it could help to diffuse your fear of clowns honestly because i don't have a fear of clowns i I know a couple (laughs) clowns that's why i was like wondering about this (laughs) it would help it'll help you understand them in their and their like their clown persona in relation to art and absurdity in the world Right. Okay. I was I, that, that was only my that was my only concern. I was like, what is the context of these clowns? Because I was like, I know some clowns, but I'm just wondering. They're mediating. <laughs> like, uh, they're sh- they're sh- mediating sh- the 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 intensity of pain and creation that exists okay. in the world. Okay. I was like, I was like, do 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 I just need to have like. I didn't. I didn't know if it needed to be a bigger conversation. So, but but thank you for elaborating. I appreciate that. And now I want to read this book even more than I Yay. did before. So, thank you, Tia. Renee, why does it not shock me to have had heard you say I know a couple of clowns? Like I don't. I don't understand why that makes sense. But I feel like of all the people that I know, it's not surprising that you know somebody or multiple people who are clowns. I'm an affable person. You are. You are. You very much are. Speaking of being affable, you said you're retiring from comics in our notes. Explain. Damn Skippy. Okay. Um, okay. I am considering retiring from comics uh, purely because I haven't read any in a while. Okay. Um, okay. But I was like, also, again, I wouldn't really hold me to that 
when I say I'm retiring from comics, it's not really real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so. I, I did. I said the. I said in the notes that you know I'm retiring from comics. If that doesn't shake out, probably Tom King's Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, or Boom's Power Rangers, because mm-hmm. those are both books I've been reading to read. Um, I have purchased them both, so they are just sitting in my iPad, you know, judging me, being like, "Why haven't you read us yet?" And I was like, "I will get to it when I get to it." <laughs> okay. okay. Well, I mean, like, if you need something to rekindle your love for comics, um, you know, beyond the manga that you're regularly reading or semi-regularly reading, I would recommend the TMNT slash Power Rangers crossover that's currently coming Actu- out. Actually, that's what that's what inspired me wanting to read the Power Rangers because I did I had been reading Ninja Turtles when they first started coming back out. This was like ten years ago. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And so, like, I was like, oh, I left off at some point there. And I was like, I'd have to dig through my singles to find out where I left off because I don't remember. And I was like, eh, you can start Power Rangers off for number one. And I went sold. And we've just kind of stayed that way for however long it's been because I don't count because I'm bad at math. That's OK. This is a comic book podcast, not an arithmetic podcast. Thank God, because otherwise I'd be like, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> I brought you all here for an elaborate plank. Do math over an audio medium. Um, it's, it's just my eighth grade teacher's elaborate way of trying to make sure I still do numbers. <laughs> yes. Well, let me let me just shout out some folks that were hanging out with us today on Discord. Um, some are here, some are not. But nonetheless, they sent me over books that are on the top of their pile. Uh, Jay Sure is reading Superman Birthright. It was recommended to them by a person on the Real Latinos podcast, a really solid podcast that if you want to look into a Latin cinema, they're a fantastic resource. Highly recommend that show. Um, Paul G is reading Black Cloak number two. Danny's reading Doctor Strange Fall Sunrise number four. And Graham is reading Berserk, the Millennium Falcon arc by Kentaro Mura. And for me, I'm also reading Black Cloak number two this week. This is written by Kelly Thompson with art by Meredith McLaren and letters by Becca Carey. The first issue of this series was really, really good, um, but also left so many questions in my mind that I was like, should I just wait this book out? But ultimately, I can't because it's such a cool fantasy detective cop thriller story that i'm like i gotta know more i gotta read this as soon as it comes out um this book is bonkers in the premise but uh i feel like meredith mclaren's art like absolutely should not work for the type of story that this is like a a police investigative almost like high political what's actually happening type of story but everything is so cartoony and soft with like these weird like steven universe steven universe vibes like everything's round and kind of nice but then there's this really dark element to the book that makes it feel like it all clicks together um and i it really helped to have to think that like the coloring and like truly the the way that mclaren does line the line work in this book really sells it and makes it so unique and interesting i feel like you could definitely see um their art in like a more cartoony younger or like younger age oriented book but the fact that they're they're working with kelly thompson on this murder mystery like detective book is is crazy and it works so well because they do all of the fantastical elements of this fantasy world where there are mermaids and sirens and people with wings and magic like subtle magic that like I, I don't know. I love this book. I love the concept of this book and everything totally worked for number one. And I'm very excited to go back and actually reread the first issue of this because there are a lot of details that I think are going to be crucial to following the various 
plots and subplots of the story. Um, so I'm going to go back and read number one just to make sure that I've got everything like down pat before I jump into number two. But I'm not mad about that, right? The first issue was such a pleasure to read. I kept waiting for it to end and then there was more story. It's like it's like getting a, a really, really giant oversized book. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it was a double sized book. But um, I, I loved how much we got in that first issue. So I'm very excited to go back and reread it before I read number two. Um, so, yeah, very, very, very hyped for that book. And I know some other folks on the on our Discord server are as well. One other thing that I do want to shout out, and this is not a pick. I'm not going to read this, but I saw it on League of Comic Geeks because League of Comic Geeks exists as a neutral place where anyone can add books that are coming out because they're comic books that are coming out. And I saw a book was coming out called Cancel America Number One. This is by Dave Sims, and he's off his fucking rocker with this book. Like Dave Sims, you may know as the creator of Cerberus, right? A very strange and problematic book um, that I know a lot of people have respect for because it's a, it was an independent book that was doing things with indie books that many other comic like publishers and other things weren't. But then it turned like very right leaning and, if I'm not mistaken, very misogynistic very quickly. And uh, I can't believe that this book called. <laughs> cancel america is coming out because it's very like everyone gets canceled and there's a hero that is defeating fascism but they don't and if you don't disagree with them they're gonna punch you in the face i hate that books like this are coming out because it's it's ridiculous so oh i don't know i'm i i'm gonna just read the synopsis for this and just tell you how stupid it is um introducing (laughs) captain antifa the champion of every equality seeking group striking a blow on behalf of the extreme hard left with an extreme hard right he believes in free speech so much how much so much that he's willing to knock out anyone who disagrees with him he may not agree with what you say but he'll defend to the death his right to stop you from saying it also meet captain antifa's platonic non-binary companion lucille dropping truth bombs on every page get with the pro Program or else jesus fucking christ like is i'm sorry comic you should prob- book? I, I don't know it's dave sim right who's just kind of doing his own thing um i the first comment that is on this this post on uh uh on league of comic geeks is concentrated boomer energy <laughs> i literally just googled to see when dave sim was born and yep he is right in the boomer sweet spot yeah it's Good i mean i don't God. I don't know. I don't want to paint everybody who was born of a certain generation one way, right? But like this very much has that like stereotypical like anti anti quote unquote wokeness like mentality. And I just can't believe that this that this thing is coming out. I don't understand it. It's it's ridiculous. So many people are mad about this on League of Comic Geeks, but it got listed because it's a book that's supposedly coming out. So, anyways, it's the most ridiculous uh, thing. I've unfortunate. Read that's not great yeah um (laughs) well i guess um i not to leave this whole episode on a down note any any final thoughts i guess before we wrap up anything you guys want to shout out before we go into the credits here Mm, no (laughs) renee have you where are you in one piece right now i just want to ask um i don't remember it's on my phone not i'm in the i'm in wano act three is oh, where okay. I'm at, but like it hasn't been that long since I've read reread the Wano art, or like I read through it the first time, obviously going through, so it still feels very recent. So when I hit Wano, we hit another really like broad stopping point because I was like, I feels like I just read this, and I yeah, like kind yeah. of did, but I'm yep. like fifty chapters away from being like caught up. I okay, okay. I mean, Wano is is very, 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 very long. So I just was curious um, if you'd gotten through Doflamingo's arc because it's still yes. one of my faves. 
Still one of my yeah, favorites. Yeah, no, it was it was great. I going back through Dressrosa, I was like, I love One Piece. <laughs> I love One Piece. Right. Like, right. like honestly, I I take back what I said back in October when I was like, I'm gonna do this every year. I was like, that's a lot. That's mm-hmm. what a crazy person says. And at the time, you guys should have called me crazy because that's insane. But I will say, I probably will read One Piece all the way through again just maybe not next year <laughs> yeah okay okay like two years from now that seems more digestible <laughs> well any any final thoughts from you tia any 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 new year's resolutions you're making for for comics and stuff in february uh, <laughs> if anybody is hiring hit me up <laughs> yeah 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 reach out to us we'll uh we'll, we'll make that connection happen well cool well thank you both for joining me this week on the show very happy to know that there's so much to be written about clowns as well as Angela Lansbury. Um, <laughs> so thank you for bringing that to my attention, Tia. But next week on the show, Paloma, Paul, Paloma, Paul, and I are going to be talking about what they said are the best jackets in comics. There, there's a list that Paloma and Paul have started to come up with some of the best jackets. Somebody threw this idea out there, and Paul and Paloma were like, "Yes, let's make this happen." So it's going to be a really fun episode next week. Make sure to join us on Discord and all that stuff. And one other thing, we do have an IRCB Live that's going to be coming up in March. We're going to be doing a live episode probably just on Twitch. So make sure you're following us there to get more information and jump on Discord so you can chat with us in advance about all the crazy stuff we're going to do for that episode. As always, though, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and Discord and Goodreads. We've got all that stuff. The reading challenge is ongoing. People are blazing through that. I'm really excited to see what else people read for the rest of this year since we're including the books of the month themes as part of the reading challenge. It's going to be cool. Um, so make sure you're, you're joined on that. And uh, shout outs to Renee and Kate and Danny for who are just absolutely nailing it with the, the social media stuff. They're, they're killing it recently. I love it. Um, you can support us on Patreon to get access to the best of the IRCB 2022 episode that I mentioned earlier, as well as the upcoming Mike's X-Men Blind Box. We're doing Bat- Better Batmobile Season 2, which is going to be really cool. I'm on that first episode. And the first episode is probably going to be the best one. Just Not just because I'm on it, but because we're reading one of the best books about Batman ever. Very excited for that. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Can't thank them enough. Xander is just below the depths of your mind. Beware. I want to say thanks to Tia and Renee for being on this episode. Thanks to everyone hanging out with us in the Discord. Thank you to Kara for proof listening to this episode. And until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Comics are good.